0: Hey, welcome back to Russell Street Replay. I'm Nico Meta, and with me, as always, is Ronald Tooth. Ron, how are we doing on this Monday? I'm um, doing pretty good, man. Uh, there's some Bobby Wagner's room or
1: Bobby Wagner rumors floating around. Uh, you know, maybe some other potential moves the Ravens could go in. So, there's a little bit of flexibility right now, and I'm interested to see how this upcoming week
0: and the weeks leading up to the draft really kind of play out. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's an active week. We I'm hoping we sign at least one more guy this week. Uh, also joining us this week is Rob Shields, another one of our buddies from the Brussels Airport. Report. Rob, it's great to have you on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we're getting back to a little bit of our old format uh, today, you know, a kind of our recap of free agency with some, a couple categories and superlatives to hand out. Um, and of course, we're going to start with a big question. And as Ron mentioned, Bobby Wagner is kind of the hot topic. Uh, he visited Baltimore on Friday. And he left without a deal. Um, he reportedly wants a deal in the vicinity of one year, eleven million dollars, um, and that kind of leads me to the big question, which is: should, should the Ravens sign Bobby Wagner? And if so, for how much? And I guess the the answer to that first question is pretty much always going to be yes. It's really about the the second the second question, which is the, the cost, but also how much does it what what does he bring to this team? What are you excited about? Uh,
1: well, uh, yes, it's a yes and a yes for me. I would gladly take him at that 11 million. I know a lot of people might kind of scoff at that and say, it's a lot of money to pay a 32 year old middle linebacker and I'll hear it. I understand. But at the same time, like when you got to think about, like we were kind of talking before we started recording and you said 11 might be a little rich for your blood, but you were cool with the, the 9 million ballpark. And my mind just goes, well, is it really that, like, I, would you rather not have Bobby Wagner and save that extra $2 million or whatever it is, or would you rather them pounce and make a move that is really going to elevate them into that Super Bowl kind of echelon that they've been creeping around for the last few years since Lamar Jackson became the quarterback, but haven't been able to punch their ticket any further. So uh, when it comes to Wagner, I think it's a no-brainer. I think you bring him in. Like, if he's willing to come in at one year, $11 million, and the fact that it's not a major commitment. It's one year. If you get burned for one year, it's no, you know, no one's going to blame you. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very much in favor.
2: So, for me, I kind of can go in a couple different directions with this. Uh, the middle linebacker position slightly devalued in today's game. Not, not that it's not important, as I've seen people argue on, on Twitter and everything else. It just means that it's, just, it's just not as important as maybe as it used to be, especially with getting rid of so many teams going away from the run. That being said, of course, we watched guys like Patrick Queen and all be out of position a lot this year, whether it's in zone coverage or man-to-man or whatever it is. And, and, you know, having somebody there who knows where to be and and obviously also be very good isn't something to be taken lightly. Uh, My issue with that is the Ravens have put a lot of resources into that position, whether it's money or high draft picks over the years. And you currently have two players that you have a first-round pick and a third-round pick on. And while we don't know what the history of Malik Harrison is – or I'm sorry, the future of Malik Harrison is going to be, you know, there's still some thought. I saw Harbaugh today said that they'll play him inside and outside uh, in camp this year, especially with uh, Bowser being hurt. So you start to wonder how many resources do you put in that position? How much better – and how much more is Wagner going to give you over, you know, whether it's binds or Fort, and then you add in the idea of then what do you get, what can you do with the difference in that money to whether it's, you know, you go out and sign a Stefan Gilmore or, or whatever the position is that you want to use. You want to use the money on that. That, that to me is the thing. Like I'm not necessarily against Wagner. I just want to know what else you can do and what will he prevent you from doing, whether it's, you know, 6 million or 11 million, the money. I don't really necessarily, it's not as much about that. It's much as as much of like the asset allocation that the team has.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's kind of brings me to my main point, which is you can get the $2 million, that, that $2 million difference. You can get that, you can use that money to sign fort or binds and put them next to queen and they won't play quite as well. They'll do a good amount of what Wagner does. They won't elevate this defense in the way that he would, but you can use that $9 million to go sign another player. And that gives you two players instead of one. And and, and like just depth wise, there's an argument to be made there. Like you hope the Ravens don't have another injury bug, but Bows is already out at edge. And I, I think we need, we really do need to sign another edge. And, I would rather that be a $9 million guy than like a $3 million guy. Cause that's the other thing is I'd be worried about this team underpaying an edge more than I would be them underpaying a middle linebacker. So I I think that's that's
1: out there, not, not to cut you off, but who who's out there as an edge right now that you'd be willing to give 9 million, you know,
0: let me, uh, let me take a quick look at the free agency. um, If uh, if Ron has anything else to share, but I think, I think there are a couple guys like Arden key. I wouldn't mind. I'm not sure I'd pay him nine a year, but, like, again, it, it, that's where you get into the point where it's like, okay, Arden Key plus a cornerback plus Fort or Bynes for 11 might be better than just Wagner for 11, I guess is where I'm coming from. Or maybe it's yeah. all three of those guys for 13 than just the 11 and you have to pay 2 million extra, but it's, it's that math that I'm talking about. Fair. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. I think he's playing his market a little bit, but I think the teams are all kind of, I'm not sure there's any team that's really willing to give him more than one year and 11, if that. And so I think, I think it's going to come down a little bit and it's more going to be a matter of what team does he want to sign with the most. And so I'm hoping the Ravens reportedly made a pretty good pitch to him about the franchise and the defense. And, but I'm hoping they didn't, the other problem is you hope that they don't, that they're not using that as a substitute for, you know, money. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, like I kind of like my eyes got wide when you said that because it just, you know, I just tweeted, like, I've heard this song so many times before, and I hate it. Like, the idea of, all oh, the Ravens made a fair offer, and they, they really put an emphasis on what it would mean in terms of, you know, his legacy and what he brings into the building and stuff like that. And it's a great idea to sell, of course, but at the same time, it's like, so much of this today is just about money. I mean, you hear it pretty much every single day in every conversation when it comes to contract. It's a business. Like, all that other stuff is gravy but at the end of the day if the dollars don't make sense no, no pun intended there uh it's just you, you know it's not going to work out so
0: we'll see oh, my fingers totally are intended that you totally intended that pun
1: yeah i did and i just wanted to emphasize that the pun was there for people who didn't catch it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, I, and that's the, that's the question is is what what are they offering him? And, and the other thing is, that a player at his age and his career, what what does he value more? Is a million dollars with us versus the Rams going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. Uh, and I think that's part of why you you do want to at least include that kind of a pitch when you're trying to sign a guy.
2: Well, and I know I had read that he reportedly would rather stay on the the, the West Coast. So that's obviously going to play a little bit into it. If I had to guess, I would guess the Orioles, the, the Orioles, the Ravens are offering multiple years to try to spread out the cap pit a little bit. That 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 would be my guess, um, which I would guess would mean that they're offering less per year than what he wants, but maybe a larger overall potential deal. That would be my guess, and it sounds like he, I, if if what is being reported is true, I would bet that he would rather take one eleven versus say two eighteen um and you know and go that route that that at least 111 for the rams to stay out in the west coast i think that's probably a more accurate thing of what's likely to happen
0: yeah 111 from the rams will i think almost be impossible to sensibly beat like until you're actually overpaying i feel like um because i think 11 isn't a crazy price to play but like 13 more would be so i think the 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 kind of next part of that is: Do the Rams want him at eleven? Because I'm not sure that's the case either, based on some of the reports I was seeing. All right. So moving on to our free agency categories, uh, let's let's first talk about the best Ravens decision and and non decisions count two in free agency. Here are the couple of the nominees I came up with. One is I think one that I think is going to be a lot of people's favorite is Marcus signing Marcus Williams um, as a as a favorite decision um, or best decision. But I also think um, signing, uh, re-signing Ricard is is a at least I'm definitely going to get that mentioned on this podcast. And I also think letting Anthony Everett walk was ultimately the right move for the Ravens, even though they're pretty freaking thin at quarterback right or at cornerback right now.
1: Yeah, uh, all of those are good candidates. I would probably you know go with the chalk answer of Williams, just in terms of everything he brings to the secondary and the fact that they did get him on a contract that's not going to really sort of tie them down as a, as, as a franchise, you know what I mean? Like it's not so much money that we're going to be looking back in three years, like a Jamal Adams thing and be like, Oh God, why did we ever do this? We got a young true center fielder. Who's one of the best in the game. Also one of the youngest in the game. And we got him locked up for the next six years. So, I mean, that's, it's, it's tough to beat that, but honestly, in terms of all the things that they have done so far, I've really liked them all. You know, the Moses signing, re-signing Ricard, they've done a lot of good things. My only gripe ever would be just that I wish they were doing a little, or I wish I can't even say wish they were doing a little more. Cause obviously behind the scenes, they're trying to do these things, just kind of making these other moves hit, I guess, to stay competitive with all these other teams in the AFC, like the Raiders and the dolphins, who feels like every other day they're signing or trading for somebody.
2: I, uh, for me, it, it's, I mean, it's, Williams is going to be the most impactful player they got. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think you got to love the contract for Moses. Um, you know, I mean, it was a pretty cheap deal for a, you know, a probably above average right tackle who doesn't get hurt. Uh, I thought his press conference was one of the best press conferences I've ever heard from an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, I, 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 it was pretty impressive. The guy's definitely really knows what he's talking about, knows, knows what he wants to do, and knows what to do. I'm not as high on the Ricard signing as you guys, which is way less about Ricard. And it's just more of the idea that they're still staying with the system that I think has no chance of winning a Super Bowl, And the idea that we're still paying a fullback um, and using a fullback. And I know, you know, I know he lined up a tight end and he threw, I, I, I get all that, but let's face it. You're not throwing the ball to Ricard when you need to. Uh, it's just, it's just not happening unless he's, just completely wide open and every, but you're not running plays for Ricard. So I, I, it's, I, I just, I hate the idea that we're still in this system and that as, as much as I've liked a lot of the player moves and non moves that they've done this year, um, bringing back Roman and keeping the system the way they're keeping it really devalues a whole lot of what they've done in terms of, you know, Maybe the moves jump us up three steps, but then keeping Roman brings us back those three steps. So, I, you know, I'm, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how things proceed as, as, you know, the year goes on with the passing game and everything else. But the Ricard signing to me is just another reminder that they're still trying to play football 15 years ago and thinking that that's the way you can win in, the, in this year, in this day and age, and you just can't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think the one thing I would say about the Ricard signing – is that it's going to allow us to cut Nick Boyle for next year. And that's, I think, part of the reason why I think, yeah, you have to deal with having them both this year, but Ricard's cap hit this year is tiny for that reason. I think it's really more built towards we do need, you do need that number two tight end slash fullback role in an offense with Lamar Jackson. You're going to have a ground attack. You're going to have the read option. It's going to be pretty prevalent and you need that player I would agree with you. I don't think the Ravens need to, because then you're overusing it and you are using that system and scheme too much, but I think it enables us to cut Nick Boyle ultimately next year, uh, an $8 million cap hit that I just don't think he can live up to. Whereas Ricard's cap, hit's going to be lower. And honestly, I think he might give us more than Boyle does. I think that's, I think that's why like I'm thinking long-term I'm good with the signing. I agree with you that the offense needs to take the next step, but I also think they didn't really have a chance to last year. I think they looked like they could, and then injuries and the O-line, and I think this is the year where Roman either is made or broken. He has no him, and I also think you could also say about Lamar in terms of evaluating who he really, really is as a quarterback because he had some really bad games last year. For him and Roman both, I just think this this is the year where they're going to either figure it out or something major is going to have to change, but I'm I'm not sold on that change happening just yet, but that's also just me. Well,
2: I think you could have – I don't feel that you have to have Ricard to cut Boyle. Um, you know, that's why you just go out and get a tight end. I mean, if you want to – you could have just drafted a tight end this year in the draft and to be ready to take over for, for Boyle next year. It would have been what my preference would have been. Um, you know, Boyle definitely – look, you, you would probably cut Boyle this year if you had a cuttable contract. I mean, you know, that's the reality, but he, he doesn't because there's no savings in cutting him. It's 7 million either way. So you're not going to cut him based off of that. But um, I think you're, you're, you are cutting him next year though. I, I, I definitely feel that way or you're doing some kind of tearing it up and redoing the cut, whatever, it, whatever it may be. But you know, the knee is probably going to prevent him from ever being the, the player that he was a few years ago. But I, I just, yeah, I, 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 I would rather have like a real tight end than hope and, and have like a better system than hope that Patrick Ricard can can fill that void next year. But like you said, I until they make the change at offensive coordinator, it, it's not going to matter anyway. And you need and and yes, you do need those players because that's the system that you're gonna run.
0: And and this is my probably last thing I'd say on this particular topic. My I'd kind of want to have my cake and eat it too in terms of keeping Ricard and drafting a Isaiah likely type tight end, speedy, more vertical threat than like a, like I really like Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio state, but he is a lot more of that move. Like, you know, he's not going to be, he's not that vertical threat the way a likely or like a Jelani woods is. I feel like he's got speed, but that's just not his game. Um, And I guess I'd rather go for, I'd rather go with one of those players that just has a higher upside in the draft than going for the blocking tight end. Cause I think people would just get, be just as frustrated using draft picks on blocking tight end I'd honestly just rather take Ricard who just, he just does kick butt at his job. He just is probably the best at his job. And like you said, in the system, you need it. Um, so obviously other than Zedarius Smith, Zedarius Smith is probably the big guy that we wanted to sign and didn't very obviously the team wanted, the team wanted to sign him. The fans wanted to sign him who are maybe some other players around the league who you wanted to sign and maybe the, and but it would have to be for the amount that they signed for elsewhere.
1: Uh, oh, you're okay. So you're talking about players that already signed. Um, two that kind of jump out at me are are both wide receivers, actually. Uh, one was DJ Chark, who got one year for ten million from Detroit, and also um, I was a big fan of the contract that the Rams gave Allen Robinson as well. Uh, barely clears over fifteen a year. Uh, when you look at what Hollywood's about to get in his fifth year, it's going to be pretty much right there, and it's really no comparison in terms of Allen Robinson or Hollywood Brown, who you would rather have. Uh, both of those guys, I think, were in not so great situation. I mean, there's really no think about it. They were in not so great situations over the last couple of years. And uh, perhaps their stock took a bit of a hit uh, as well as well as their stats. And it showed in the deals that they signed. But all those guys, I think, are real difference makers on the outside and uh, are really going to help their new teams. So those are the two that I would have loved to see come to Baltimore.
2: Um, for me, I would, I don't know that there is anybody. I am largely pretty much against free agency when it comes to, 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 to pro sports. Cause for the most part, free agency always fails. Um, there would be guys. Yes. I mean, it would be great to add a JC Jackson. I don't, I don't think he got a terrible contract for what he potentially is. I don't think a Terran Armstead. I think Terran Armstead got one of the best deals in free agency. Um, but they're in positions that we, that we don't necessarily need or or can spend that type of money. I also, you know, this, this free agency period period, uh, this, this came into a year where they, they were saying that you were going to have as many as 800 free agents this year. It was going to be about 40% of the league were going to be free agents this year. So for me, somebody who is very much into the idea of the stars and scrubs type roster where you have like the high dollar guys and then guy, a bunch of guys making under $3 million, I think we're gonna I think we're going to see tons of bargains that will be coming up over the next month or actually probably over the next couple of weeks. And then we'll hear nothing until after the draft. Um, <clears throat> but basically that next six week period, I think you're going to hear tons of bargains. I mean, you know, you know, people I've heard, I've seen, like I was, I didn't want Darius Smith, not for the money that he got. And because 30 year old coming off a of back surgery, um, I, I think it's a risk. He's talented, but uh, you know, backs and turning 30 are they're just not good combinations. So, for me, speaking from yeah, personal I, I, experience over there. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, not exactly. And, and I don't, and I'm not, and I'm not getting, I'm not taking hits from, you know, 300 pound linemen either, but you know, I, people kind of forget Justin Houston had a really good year for the Ravens last year. He had a very high pressure rate. His, his pro football focus grade was was higher than Judon by Judon by a lot, and a lot of people were like, "God, look at what we're missing with Judon." Now, Justin Houston didn't get home and sack the quarterback a lot. I understand that, but you give me if, if you can get Houston again for one year for three million bucks or less again, I, I would much rather have that than what they gave than what they gave Smith. Now, of course, I also feel that they should take one or two pass rushers within the first you know three or four rounds of the draft including the first round so I'm not ignoring the position I would just I just to me the front seven has to get younger faster and more athletic so I I, I don't really see I I think if you asked me this question in a month I would be able to answer it because I would be like oh man I can't believe Stefan Gilmore only got a one-year deal for seven million bucks I would have loved to have gotten him for that or you know or, or any number of other players that are just going to slip through the cracks just because of the sheer numbers
0: yeah I think the the one, one for me would be Harold Landry re-signed with the Titans I just thought he'd be he's just an excellent fit off the edge he's just like I think and, I, and he's only 26 Um, and, and the deal he signed for 17.5 a year I think that's pretty reasonable he's got five his cap hit this year is only five million like I think that deal is something I'd be kind of interested in, uh, but I do agree kind of looking around the league, especially when you think about players, the Ravens could reasonably target versus the ones that seemed like locks to go back to their team in, in one way or another. Um, you know, we were in the mix for Emmanuel Ogba, who is another, is a younger guy, younger, you know, athletic pass rusher. And one of those guys that maybe you target, but again, he got, uh, you know, he got $16 million a year. I think the Ravens may have offered him something similar, um, But again, I I do see where it come from in terms of I see a lot of upside in this in this draft. And so there aren't a ton of deals where I'm like, oh, man, they really got that player for cheap. There are players I'd like to have, of course, but not a ton of deals. I would say the Harold Landry one's probably the main one for me that I I really like. Um, Moving on to, I guess, best kind of in that in that vein, what are some of the best deals around the league? Maybe that you think other teams that work out really well for other teams.
1: Uh well Rob mentioned one that instantly came to mind to me in Teron Armstead for Miami. Uh they cleared him for about 15 million a year for 5 years. Uh whether their quarterback is going to be Tua uh, or going forward somebody else, uh they know that they're going to be protected on the blind side for the, the the foreseeable future here. So that's a really good move for them. Uh just some others off the top of my head here, I guess. Um Hmm. You know, I kind of liked the deal that Hassan Reddick got as well from Philly. He's another one, uh, three for 45, so it's about 15 a year. But uh, another guy who seems to fly under the radar a lot, but who's a really effective pass rusher, who I think is going to really help uh, that front seven for Philly. So those are just a couple off the top of my head that I really, really kind of liked. But I would say there was probably more that I wasn't a big fan of, which we will get into next
2: year.
0: Yeah, Rob, I feel like you might have a lot of ammo for the for the flip side, but are there any deals even not not fits for the Ravens that you liked for other teams?
2: Well, I mean, I, while I'm not upset that he left uh, Baltimore, I, I mean, what the Panthers got Bozeman for, I thought that was a really, really solid deal for them. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. He's, you know, I always felt that he was rated a little too high in terms of what people thought he was going to get, but he's a solid player. I mean, you know, to get him for a couple million bucks, basically, is you know, that's pretty cheap. And I think, you know, I, I one deal I think that's a little under the radar that has a chance to pay off big is Schuster going to 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 Kansas City. Um, you know, is he worth eleven million? Maybe not coming off of you know maybe not the player since since uh, uh, Antonio Brown left, but in that system, um, I can see him like kind of bouncing back and having a pretty major year. And and honestly, I think I think the guys contracts that were signed by the free agent quarterbacks like somebody like winston i don't i don't really think that's a bad deal for 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 new orleans i mean you know he's a productive guy i know he's had his turnover issues but you know he was he's a productive player you know he's a decent stopgap guy and and i actually don't even mind the, the the deal for trubisky i mean i i don't i don't think pittsburgh is gonna light it up by any stretch but if Trubisky can come in there and just be kind of a game manager type guy with that defense, I, you know, I, I don't think that's really that bad of a deal for them, you know, to take the shot. It doesn't, it's, you know, it's not costing you anything to, to take a shot with them. So, and they're obviously going to probably draft a quarterback high. So, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that that's bad, but I think the best deals are still yet to be signed. Like I said, because I think there's going to be some players that are going to get signed for, for ridiculously cheap money. Um, because of the, the, the sheer numbers of what's going to happen in free agency and especially with how much talent is in this draft and it being so close.
1: Yeah. And uh, in, in that regard, just to kind of piggyback off of what you said uh, with, I mean, Gilmore, Matthew and Odell Beckham, like all seem like they're three prime candidates in that category to sign. Maybe maybe it's a shorter term deal for cheaper money. Maybe it's, I mean, in Matthew's case, it's not really injury or anything like that. So it might be a little different. But yeah, there's definitely still some uh some moves to be made and some steals to be had on the free agent
2: market.
0: Yeah, I think I think a couple of deals I like are in in the middle, like Uchen and Wosu, he got nine and a half million a year. But the thing is, is uh, he didn't produce as much as he should have in that in that defense. And so you question the his ability to produce without a guy like Bosa opposite him. Sebastian Joseph Day. I really liked this deal. Eight million dollars a year. And I think for three years, only two uh, or two years um, and only a little bit of his guaranteed. Nothing crazy there. I, I think those are a couple of deals that I, I like. I'm not sure that I would. I'm not. I, it's, it's tough to say I would want the Ravens to sign them because. I think I like our value in Michael Pierce more than I like the Chargers' value in Sebastian Joseph Day. Like I think that what we're getting for what, what we're getting out of Pierce for I think about five million a year. They're paying Joseph Day eight million a year, and like I think the production is not that much. Not going to be that much different, and so I think that I'm hoping to get. If, you know, if you stack a bunch of those deals on top of each other, like Rob was saying that gives you quality depth. It, it helps you defend against injuries. And it means, you know, if you get a couple injuries, when it comes time, time down the stretch to try and make the playoffs, you aren't relying on a bunch of undrafted free agents. You know, these are guys who might have a couple years in the league and just happen to hit free agency in the wrong year and ended up really cheap. So I think that's, I think that's a really great point. I hope the Ravens take advantage of it. Uh, Rob, I'm going to let you kick this one off. What are the worst deals? Give me some of your least favorites. And, and honestly, let's, let's have fun with this. Let's really go in on them.
2: Well, um, Pretty much anybody that Jacksonville signed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I mean, the, the Brandon sh- sh- Sheriff deal is, is fine. Uh, you know, generally speaking, it's a lot to pay for a guard, but he's fine. I mean, the Christian Kirk deal is terrible. Um, I, I don't like I am not somebody who wants to pick up Brown's fifth year option because I. Wide receiver is becoming the new running back. Um, in the nfl you, you can there's so many receivers coming out every year in college and there's almost no reason to pay a wide receiver anymore unless they are the elite of the elite and even those guys at the money they're now getting after all the trades and everything we saw this off season. i i don't know that there's any wide receiver that i'm itching to pay 25 to 30 million dollars a year for especially with how they're being used in college and the, and the talent coming out but and in baltimore Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, but when you compare what Kirk got, then, you know, the $13 million for Marquise Brown is a steal because that, that contract for Christian Kirk is just terrible. I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, he's a decent player, but I mean, that's a really,
0: really terrible contract. Um, well, before I, we I, move on to, before we move on to others, I kind of want to like hop in on that. Cause I agree. I think it's a bad contract and I think it makes me just want to pick up Hollywood's fifth year option rather than having to worry about potentially go trying to go after a receiver in free agency and, or pigeonholing us in a drafting one in the first round of the next two years. I don't like doing that. And I don't like forcing us to go after one in free agency when we've already invested quite a bit in the position. So I'm okay with Hollywood Brown on that, on that fifth year option for $13 million. He can go hit the market and ask for whatever he wants after that, because you know, at that point, we're going to know about Bateman and, you know, other guys we were developing, but I, I think it's deals like that that make me be like, okay, just, just lock him down. I know what I have in him. And I actually, like, I would rather have Hollywood than Christian Kirk. I don't know if that's a, like, if, I don't know if that's a hot take, but I would rather have Hollywood than Christian Kirk. And if that means that I have Hollywood for whatever his hit next year is and his 13 million the years after, that's probably an average of like Five million—I don't know exactly what it would be, but or like eight million a year or something—and that's not bad at all.
1: Yeah, Christian Kirk was actually—it's funny because uh, right at the beginning of free agency, before anybody signed, I did kind of like a blind stat thing, like A or B. And it's funny how similar uh, Hollywood's and Christian Kirk's stats are. And I was just like kind of making the like tongue-in-cheek argument that maybe bringing in Kirk for a cheaper deal would be a better idea. Then resigning Hollywood, and then like a day or two later, he goes and gets 20 million dollars a year, and I look stupid. So that was
2: that. <laughs> well, for me, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with picking up the Hollywood option. The idea of not feeling like you're definitely going to have him on the team next year, I think you know, because I think at 13 million dollars, if he has a good year, he's a movable contract too. Um, it, he's not just a guy that you know, will, you know, that you have to pay if you don't want to, I, I don't mind Hollywood. I, I mean, I think he's fine. Um, but I also, I also think that maybe not with the Ravens. We'll be, we, we'll see, but I also think you can draft the player and get very similar production for Hollywood and you're paying that player nothing. So that, that's the thing. And I think a lot of franchises would be able to do that in terms, I mean, you, you, I'll use the Steelers as an example, somebody who's always done a great job of developing receivers. I think that they could draft a Hollywood Brown clone in the third round and get, you know, 60 catches and 800 yards in their first season. And they're paying that guy, you know, $600,000. And, you know, we're paying Hollywood Brown 13 million to do to get 70 catches and, you know, 950 yards. So the one thing about Brown, though. One thing that I I think does get overlooked by, by all Ravens fans is how much he steps up in the playoffs. And I do think that that is something that is to be considered because he does have a very nice playoff track record. And I don't think you can overlook that, but I I think with the contracts that the receivers are getting, plus with the the talent that's coming in from receivers. So I, I mean, I, You know, even though they weren't traded, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and all I think their contracts are going to be regrettable deals in a lot of ways because I just I I I just don't know that they're that it's necessary to pay that. Um, you know, we know that the the Chiefs and the Packers tried to pay those guys that money and they just didn't want to be there or for whatever reason. And they still, you know, so it wasn't just money, but um I and and the other deal that I think is terrible, even though it wasn't really free agency, is the Deshaun Watson deal. And and I think it's terrible. I think he's very good. So it's not as terrible. It's, it's all of the guaranteed money and it totally screws every other team in the NFL and the way the contracts are going to be going forward with so much guaranteed money. It's, it's that deal is, is really, really league changing in a lot of ways. And that's, that's going to be something that's going to be a problem I think going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. I want to just glide past that a little bit because we did cover it last week on our pod. I don't want to get too agitated about Watson again, but in terms of what you are saying, I, like I do agree that the guaranteed money that presents a huge issue in terms of the future of signing contracts in the league. It and. You know, part of it is going to be adjusting to this is the way a market works, adjusting to the new market reality. And the Ravens are going to be one of the first teams to get to find that out when 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 they keep working with Jackson. It seems like he's just not really interested in extension right now for whatever reason. And when they get to the point where it's time to really go through an extension process with him and really get in that negotiating room, they're going to have to deal with the ramifications of this deal. So I do agree.
1: Yeah. Well, at least they consulted their daughters before they signed them. So, oh God. Don't even. A- any, please, anyway. Uh, please don't get
0: me started. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, some of the name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. One of the worst I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, some of the names that jump out to me in terms of, of deals that I really didn't like. Uh, the first one right away was Randy Gregory to Denver. He got the exact same contract as Marcus Williams and the impact that they t- those two have on the field. Granted, different positions, all that. It's almost, like, uncomparable. Like, Gregory, he's got 16 and a half sacks in his whole career. He's been in the league since 2015. He's been suspended for numerous seasons. Uh, Even when he is on the field, he's hurt a lot. I I just – I didn't really understand. It felt like more of a knee-jerk reaction to them, knowing that they were going to lose Von Miller. It was like, okay, we got to bring in some kind of pass rusher. Um, And Randy Gregory is the way they went. Uh, so yeah, five years, 70 million, that's, that's a lot of money to give a guy who's never played more than 14 games and has never had more than six sacks in a year. Like, and I know that the, the Patriots went and gave Judon his contract and he had a lot of sacks this year, but to Rob's point, uh, when you look at his PFF grades and what he did overall, it really wasn't anything overly spectacular outside of those sack numbers, which can't be, you know, definitely can't be overlooked, of course, but. I just, that's one that I see Denver regretting for potentially more reasons than one, not too far along here. Uh, The other one that I wasn't too big a fan of was uh, Pittsburgh signing Miles Jack to $8 million a year. I just, I, I don't get it because the AFC North, so much of that now is like predicated on these dynamic athletic quarterbacks and these fast game changing receivers So you bring in a guy whose knocks on him is that he's slow and he's not the best pass coverage guy in the middle of the field. So to give a guy like that $8 million a year just felt a little bit unnecessary. You know, it felt like there's some guys in the draft who are speedier who they probably could have drafted who, who just would have been better fits like a Nakobe Dean, a Devin Lloyd, somebody like that. Who knows? Maybe they have different plans for their first round pick. Maybe they're thinking about a quarterback. I don't know, but uh, I just—I don't
0: know if I would have allocated eight million a year to Miles Jack personally. Yeah, so a couple, a couple I think aren't that great. One is it just—it's just weird to me that Marcus Mariota gets paid like nine point three million dollars a year to play quarterback in the NFL. That just seems a little out there. I'm ju- just—I'm just not sure he's worth that. Like that's arguably starting quarterback money, and I just don't think he's—I just don't think he's a starting quarterback in the league. Please prove me wrong, Marcus Mariota. I—I I wouldn't mind seeing it at all. I'm just. I just don't really see it. Um, and then the other thing really think he's going to be good. I mean, I hope so. I, I hope everyone's good. Like I have, they're just guys. I'm just not, I'm just not sold on. I'm just not sold on Mariota's like just high level processing. I think that's, that's the big thing. And he doesn't have like elite athleticism or an arm to make up for it. But um, Justin Reed for 10, 10.5 million a year. I don't hate it. He's 25. So it's, it's not a bad deal for a guy at his age who can develop a lot, but it is like, dang him versus the paying an extra three and a half million a year for Marcus Williams. That is a huge gulf of player for, for that little money. Um, and the other one that I just laugh at is Marquez Valdez scantling getting $10 million a year from the chiefs. I know it's not guaranteed. I know there's no guaranteed money in the deal, so it's not necessarily a bad deal, but I also just find it funny that he gets that amount of money for a receiver who couldn't find a way to really distinguish himself when he had Devonte Adams drawing double teams and Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball. It's just, he just didn't, See, just didn't seem like he took advantage of, he seemed like he didn't take advantage of an opportunity there. And I don't know about paying him $10 million a year. Obviously that contract, like I said, doesn't have any, um, or I don't know what, I don't think it's clear what the guaranteed money it is going to be. I'm sure there will be, I I would imagine there would be some guaranteed money. Um, but I don't think they've announced what that guaranteed money is going to be. Um, and so I just, I just don't really love that deal. And we'll probably love it less once I see how much guaranteed money there is in it. Um, Favorite players still out there. And, and let's, I would say, first we can talk about our favorite players, maybe in general um, that are still out there. And then a couple that we, we would want to see on the Ravens. Uh, we t- we did talk about Bobby Wagner first, but I think a couple of my, my favorite guys that are out there that I would, that I'm, I would want to sign. Um, we talked last week about, you know, a best player available on, on defense strategy right now. And, and that would Stefan Gilmore is a fit for this scheme in terms of just press man coverage. Um, I think Tyron Matthew as a safety, I'm not sure exactly what we would do with him, but that would give us a ton of flexibility on the back end. Um, but then looking down the list, I think my favorites are really the guys like Justin Houston, um, the guys like maybe a Bryce Callahan as a slot corner. Um, these are the guys that you're going to get cheaper that, that Rob was talking about, that you get a lot cheaper. I even think Deshaun Elliott as like a depth safety option, could be one of those guys that we get him for like, a really cheap contract for a year and he can do well for us. We've seen him play well for us in the past. And so I think that's, those are, those are the guys kind of I'm, I'm looking for maybe a one or two guys on the high level. Um, and then obviously Rasheem green, Arden key are two guys that have been thrown around in Baltimore a lot. They visited um, versatile pass rushers, but not that high end. constantly going to get to the quarterback guy that you're looking for. So you, they would need to be one of several signings in order for me to be happy with it.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, um, I'm kind of in that similar vein. There's a lot of uh, guys on this list that I look at that could be sort of one-year candidates who can come in and help make an immediate impact, even if it's not huge. Like Jarvis Landry is one that comes to mind. He, he would be an awesome fit to kind of be that adult in the room that we've mentioned numerous times in this podcast about a few different position groups. But uh, to kind of have that veteran and in addition to that, having that true tough catch guy, could do a lot of stuff in the slot, can kind of play all over. So that would be really awesome. Uh, JPP is another one who I think will probably get a one-year deal, won't be breaking any banks um, if they don't decide to go the Houston route because I'm sure he'll probably get a little less money than JPP. But he's another name out there that I would like, uh, maybe even like a Jerry Hughes on a one-year deal, somebody who can help sure up the run stuff in game. So, uh, there's some guys out there. I mean, uh Jadavian clowny's still out there. I don't know what he's going to get he seems to like to do this every year in free agency, this sort of like uh, waiting game thing, you know, like the Kevin Malone from the office. I do want you to fight over me, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so who knows, but um, he would be somebody that if they can get him as Eric, DeCosta likes to say at the right price, right player, right price. Uh, I would be interested. So those are just some kind of one year sort of deals that I wouldn't mind them making. Yeah. I
2: I'm, I'm, I'm on the, the Gilmore train too. I I think he makes a lot. I feel like they have just everybody's just kind of fallen asleep on the guy. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was pretty much thought of as the best corner in the league, and then he gets hurt and goes to Carolina, where nobody watches them play, and all of a sudden, people kind of forget that he's around. Yeah. Uh, he played okay, I, I he played, he played okay there too. Yeah, he out. did, and you know, and that's coming off of an injury, and he didn't start playing until what the middle of the season, and he's in a new system and all that kind of stuff, and he still he still played well. I, I do think that they need to add a veteran wide receiver um you know hopefully somebody better than Sammy Watkins was last year um you know I, I'm I've never been opposed I've never been a guy who was opposed to OBJ uh I still wouldn't the, the, the only problem with him is is when does he start playing um you know this offense probably this this offense may not be the best for him to go to uh for somebody who wants the ball. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, you, you, you got to worry that that's the case for any receiver. Um, you know, you mentioned um, Jarvis Landry. I think he's another guy, you know, that, that can be a, that can be good. That can be good there. But I also have no problem with them just saying, we're just going to draft the guy and just do what we can to feature Bateman as much as possible. Cause I think he's the best wide receiver the team's ever drafted just in pure talent. Um, and, you know, I know, I know a lot of people want to bring Calais Campbell back. I'm not against it, but, the problem I have with Campbell is, is, you know, we need to get younger up front and you only have so many roster spots you can give out to the D line and the interior line. <clears throat> and do you want one of those spots to go to a 36 year old player, even though he's still good? Um, you know, I, 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 again, I, I don't know how many of these guys are going to sign before the draft. And I think that's the key. I, I can see, You know, if I remember correctly, Clowney signed after the draft last year and the Ravens were one of the teams that almost signed him. Mm -hmm. I think all those types of players, you you can kind of see what happens after the draft. Somebody like Gilmore, yes, the draft is deep at corner, but you also need a lot of corners. So I don't have a problem going out and spending money on him. I don't know if I really want to spend a lot of money on the D-line right now without knowing – what we're going to be able to get in the draft. I mean, if, if Campbell will come and play for two or three million bucks, sure, I'd sign him, but he's not going to. Um, I'm sure, you know, he's probably going to get a one-year deal for, I would guess, somewhere between seven and $10 million. But I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm going to go the route of, of signing when you got, I mean, you guys just ran off a bunch of DNs and outside linebackers. And all. Well, they're not all going to sign between now and the draft. It's just not going to happen. There's too much talent in the draft and people aren't going to sign these free agents when they can get a player for the same production at, at you know, a fifth of the cost. So I think um, I think I think the the, the waiting game is going to be what do they do on, on, uh, after the draft? And then at that point, then we'll see what else they need to do and they can fill up some holes then.
1: Yeah. Uh, and another name that kind of fits that mold to me uh, is Tyron Matthew. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I did a piece this morning, the out to lunch shameless plug on Russell street Report, and just kind of briefly touched on the fact that th- this is a pretty good safety class in the draft. You know, there's Brisker, there's Kyle Hamilton, Daxton Hill. Hill. Uh, there's some good guys there. So it, it could go, it- it's kind of a slippery slope because on one hand, these teams could address these positions and or in the early rounds. And then these guys are missing out on a good amount of money. But at the same time, say one of these teams doesn't address the position, then their price tag goes up. So it's always kind of a risky but interesting proposition when you see guys kind of do this move. And it's uh, there's a lot more names, I feel like, in terms of like big stars that are doing it this year as opposed to what we normally see. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out.
0: Here's where where they all land. I would say um, I'm fine waiting out that that outside linebacker edge market to see which are the ones left, you know, in, in June, July, you know, like you said, Rob, I think that's a good strategy. And that's where you get a chance to maybe not take one, but potentially two swings, depending on what you're looking at. And maybe if a guy, you know, bring two guys in, and if one doesn't work out, you can cut them without, you know, a cap hit or without dead cap in training camp or something. Um, Speaking of the draft and also shameless plugs, I guess that gives me an opportunity to transition into the the last part of our podcast here today, which is going to be talking about the 14th overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, I've started a a draft series for Root Report. The first post went up um, on March 28th. You'll probably be listening to this on the 29th or 30th um and you'll also get a chance to see my first list of 14 players um and i'm actually going to give a little sneak preview with that right now my first list of 14 players that i think are, are worth drafting with the 14th overall pick um i'll list them off real quick and then and then here if you guys have any players you think shouldn't be or should be on that list aiden hutchinson out of michigan kyle hamilton out of notre dame evan neal out of alabama Ike iguanu out of nc state Kevon thibodeau out of oregon Trayvon walker out of georgia charles cross out of mississippi state Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, Maude Gardner out of Cincinnati, Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson, Jordan Davis out of Georgia, Trent McDuffie out of Washington. And now that's actually 13 because the 14th was supposed to be David Ojabo. And of course, his his Achilles tear has kind of thro- thrown a thrown a wrench into him being a 14th overall pick. and And it hurts because he was kind of viewed as a solid, safe pick for the Ravens, a guy that mcdonald would know and trust and know how to use well and so it's sad to not see him there um are there any players that you think should not be on that list at all or, or should maybe be considered for that list there are definitely a lot of guys i'm considering for that 14th spot um but i haven't settled on one yet
1: uh yeah a couple that come to mind uh are the georgia boys devontae wyatt and jordan davis both of those guys i think would bring a lot to the defensive front and uh you know obviously they just resigned michael pierce but uh to to rob's point that he was mentioning before about Calais campbell he's likely going to be gone they're not bringing brandon williams back so there's definitely a need to get younger there uh all along the defensive line really so both of those guys i think i'd also be cool with on top of uh if they don't get wagner i wouldn't be too upset with either Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd, probably preferably Devin Lloyd. I've always kind of had my eye on him ever since uh, really towards the end of the college football season. But then I got a really good view of him during that Ohio state versus Utah game. And even though it was a high scoring affair and points were flying all around, he was flying all around as well. And he was, you know, all over the field. And I saw a lot that I really liked from him. So
0: um Yeah. So, Rob, what what are your thoughts on this 14th overall pick? What what kind of player and impact are you looking for? And do you even want to pick at 14? Would you want to trade up for a player or trade back to get more picks on day two?
2: Well, I think I think it's gonna. I, I so something that's been talked about lately is the Ravens are a cheap organization, and I I've felt that that's not a good characterization of of the organization. But where I do think they have made mistakes in the past and, you know, I'm saying this without knowing what they tried to do or, you know, or, you know, we can only go off of what actually happened is, is I, I think that the team has been has held on to those draft picks a little too much in the past um, and been afraid to trade up. You know, one of the things that we always, you know, can, one of the things that was talked about is, you know, that they wanted to go up and get Jalen Ramsey. They offered a first and a fourth, the Dallas one of the third, you know, Yes, we still ended up with Stanley. Um, you can debate on which player you'd rather have, but the point is, is that the Ravens wanted Ramsey. They identified him as the guy that they wanted, and they didn't trade up, you know, to get him because they didn't want to trade their third round pick instead of their fourth round pick, and they end up drafting Kafusi, who was nothing.
0: So he I think right about Ramsey's talent.
2: <laughs> right, right, and and I think that I think that you. If there's a player there that they want. So the one guy that jumps out to me that is now being talked about dropping some is Thibodeau. And, you know, there are some reasons people feel, you know, does he love this? Does he love football enough? I mean, of course, we heard the same thing about Miles Garrett. But if you have graded him as one of the top four or five players in this draft, and he's sitting there at nine, for example, to a team, for a team like Seattle and Seattle and let's, and obviously Seattle has to want to trade out. Right. I mean, that, that's obvious, but you know, if you're going off of the draft chart, which I know is a little bit more outdated. Um, but still, when you look at when trades go through in the NFL, it's pretty accurate to go from nine to 11, you're talking about trading, you know, your third rounder and then maybe one of your fourths. Um, I, I, if, if that's the guy that you want, then I think you go get him. Now I, I do say, you know, what is the difference between Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, and Jermaine Johnson? And if all of those guys are there, which they won't be, but just, just hypothetically, if all those guys are there, do you then trade up to do it? Maybe not. But I mean, the, the guy that I would love to realistically, I would love to see fall to the Ravens is, is Jermaine Johnson. Um, I, I think, I think what we're going to see is there, there's going to be players that are going to fall through the cracks. I, I, the best thing that could happen to the Ravens is if is if they are at least if Pickett and Willis go before they pick. Um, I think there's a good chance that at least one of them go. I'm starting to see mocks with Detroit taking Willis. Um, I, I think if 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 we can at least get one, if we can get both of them, but at least get one of them. And then, while I'm personally not against a receiver early, um, I, I still think it would be in the Ravens' best interest if, if teams tried to get receivers in that top. 12 picks, 13 picks. So any of those things that happen, um, I think the most realistic player that they're going to get um, in terms of getting an upper tier guy who's going to fall to them is Stingley. I have felt the whole time that Stingley is going to fall in this draft and be there when the Ravens pick. And, you know, because, you know, he was a great freshman year and then he got hurt. And, you know, and there's been all these little issues of, you know, how, how you know, did his talent, was his talent on the field as good as what, what you know, what he actually is. I think he's going to be there at 14, and I personally think that's the guy they're going to take if I had to guess on somebody. For me, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with with a D-end or outside line, whatever the positions you're going to call these guys. Um, And just a quick thing, uh, listening to Harbaugh today, I would not be shocked if Pajabo was there in the second round if the Ravens took him um he feels that he's going to play this year and uh, I just the way he kind of was talking about him today I don't think you should even spend a second rounder on him personally because you know you're probably two years away from him being you know to the production that you hope he can be but um but I, I think there's a chance that the Ravens would take him in the second round if he's there but um but I am I'm, I'm I'm open at 14 to trading up trading back taking a pick there it, it, you know it. it so many of these guys are so similar that it's going to really depend on what it is. I, I will say this. I am a hundred percent against an offensive lineman in the first round. Um, I am really kind of not even for one in the second round. Uh, I could maybe depending on who's there, but I, I really don't even want one in the second round, especially now that they have determined that McCary is going to start at the center. So, you know, we're really just now drafting your future left tackle is, and maybe backup guard for this year. I mean, that's really what you're, and well, and, you know, if if Stanley is still hurt, but I mean, other than that, I I don't want to I don't want to line an offensive lineman in the first round, and I really don't want one in the second.
0: Yeah, I think I'm torn on on. I think when it comes to linemen, I I like the offensive tackles. I mean, I like the top three, the consensus top three: Aquan Neal, and Cross. But obviously, I just don't think there's any shot any of them are there. I think. Cross is too good of a pass protector to not go in the top 10 in the modern NFL, like any team who wants to pass 60% of the time or whatever, should just draft Charles Cross and put him at left tackle. And he'll run block just fine. But, you know, I think he's the only guy that could follow the Ravens. And he also happens to be the guy out of the three of them that I think fits the fits the worst. Equonu is a perfect scheme fit as a tackle for us. And Neil is not like perfect the way Aquano is, but still extremely good. And so those guys obviously be happy at 14 or if they fall later in the top 10. But the problem is I'm not sure I'd want to give up that much capital to trade up for cross as opposed to Aquano or Neil. And, you know, that's where you get into those nuances you were talking about um, of the real, those real tight differences between guys and the importance of looking at where the draft is deep in different positions. And, you know, this draft is deep in offensive linemen. This draft is, It's not deep in terms of quantity in edge. It's deep in terms of quality. There are a lot of quality edges in this class, but not the kinds, not ones that I'm looking for on late day two or day three. Like I'm thinking all of the edges I'm really, I really want to get are going to go in the first two rounds of the draft. And the Ravens are going to have to use one of those two picks to get a top tier edge. They need to be thinking about that kind of depth across the draft as well, because linemen are just going to be around later, typically.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, for me, my my kind of dream scenario is is I don't think Walker's going to fall to them. Is is, is but like a, a Walker or Jermaine Johnson in the first round, and then Travis Jones in the second round. That that's kind of my personal dream scenario. I I, I feel this team has got to get some pass rush up the middle. Um, I, I don't think Travis Jones falls to them at forty five though. I think I think there's a potential that you'd have to trade up there. Um, but but I I, I want Pass rush, speed, and athleticism on that front, that 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 D line is, is really where I want to focus early. I think you probably I like Stingley a lot and I, you know, I think he's got that high ceiling. So why not take him in the first round? But but I still but I also think that you can probably go in the third, fourth, fifth round and you can find corners. Um, and if you go out, you 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 know, this goes back to our earlier discussion. If you go out and you sign a Stefan Gilmore, you don't necessarily have to take that really that that corner in the first round if you don't want to so um the other thing i'm not opposed to is you know, just like they did with Lam, uh in the lamar trade is if, if you if you see a guy at the bottom of the if you see a guy that's there in the bottom of round one trading up and trying to get that that fifth year option to get into the first round um you know especially you know i'll go back to a travis jones guy if you feel like he's a high impact guy pass rush or whatever and that player sitting there you know, i i'm I'm not opposed to them doing that. It's not going to take a tremendous amount of capital to go into the first, into the first round from where they are at the second round. So, you know, if that guy is there, if there's a, even if there's a wide receiver or something like that, that's fallen that you really just love. And it's sitting there at the end of the first round, go, go get them. Um You know, I, the one thing I don't want to see the Ravens do, I mean, you've got all these comp picks and all this stuff I don't feel the need to, I don't think they have to, they don't they, they. I don't think they're going to be able to draft 10, 11 guys, whatever it is. I think they're going to, you know, I think they could trade back and, you know, get assets for next year or, or whatever, or even more assets for this year, but then use some of those assets to trade back up or whatever the case is. But I, I don't think that they need to draft 10 or 11 players, um, even though you have the, the the Lamar Jackson contract hanging over you and you want cheap guys. But I, I, I still think that, you know, you don't have to get that many players this year.
0: Yeah.
1: Funny. Especially when you look back and obviously the team would never use this as a way of evaluating the situations, but, these later rounds of the Eric DaCosta era in the draft haven't been all that spectacular. You know what I mean? There's been a lot of guys that have just been popcorn farts. I mean, hell, two guys that we drafted in the late rounds last year aren't even on the team anymore. Sean Wade. Well, actually Ben Mason's back. So, but regardless, they haven't really been hitting on these late round picks. Like we were kind of used to them doing once in a while under Ozzie. So it would be nice to see them, you know, maybe package one or two of these fours to move back up into the first. I mean, hell, the last time they did that, it worked out pretty well for him. So, you know, we'll see.
0: It sure did. And I think, you know, kind of on a, on a final note, it's it's the, it's the also the season of smoke screening. And, you know, you talked about Harbaugh's press conference this morning, um, you know, DaCosta had talked at the Combine about how much we love, how, how much the Ravens, how highly the Ravens think of Tyler Lunderbaum, which to me screams the Ravens have nothing to, want nothing to do with Tyler Lunderbaum. Um, and Eric Tacosta talking about having 10 picks and potentially adding, and he talked about potentially adding a few still. And while I do think they're motivated to get that cheap young talent, like Rob said, I also think that they could look at trading back from like 141 to get a couple of day three picks and still use like some of their other day two picks or 110 or 128, whatever, and, and they and do both. Because one of the things is you don't need so many picks between 100 and 150 you know if you want you can take one of those and trade him back for a couple of later picks while also using one or two of those to trade up earlier and so i think that's the cool thing about so many picks is just a ton of flexibility and i think it's exciting for where the draft where players fall in the draft to be able to try and snipe guys like that absolutely all right gentlemen well thanks so much for joining us this is a fun pod i'm glad we broke down free agency and, and now we're headed fully into draft season thanks so much for joining us